Hello and welcome to the Locust and Honey podcast. We are two Reformed Southern Baptists who desire to speak the truth of the gospel to the heart of the culture. We are also proud members of the Bar Network, which stands for Biblical and Reform Network. If you would like to support our growing podcast, you can do so several ways. One, you can leave us a comment and share our podcast on your social media. Two, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And three, you can follow the link in our show notes to find all of the other ways that you can support us and connect with us. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name is John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives life to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because He was before me. For from His fullness we have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Well, hello and welcome back to the Locust and Honey podcast. My name is Matt. I'm joined with Andrew. And today is episode 33. Join us as we discuss Out of Darkness Light. Uh, We are excited today because we've got a special guest. This is Jason, and he's with uh, Dear Woke Christian. And so, Jason, can you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and where we can find you? Oh, absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me and reaching out and asking me to come on today. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, man. Looking forward to being fun. So my name is Jason Whitaker. I'm the host of Dear Woke Christian, the podcast. You can find me at DearWokeChristian.com. You can find me as Dear Woke Christian on YouTube as well. And what I do is I discuss critical race theory, Black Lives Matter, social justice issues in context of God's word. My hope, my intent is for people to start considering, maybe God's word actually doesn't say that. Right. Maybe I need to push back against the cultural narratives that are trying to reshape and reform what God's word actually teaches and use God's word as the final court of arbitration. So that's what I do. Um, I, I try to point out from looking at script, um, sermons and lectures, articles, tweets, the whole nine, and just compare them to God's word and say, hey, does God's word actually say that? So yeah. that's what I do. Awesome, man. Well, um, we're super excited to have you on the show today. We're glad that you took the time to be here. So with that, uh, I'm ready to get into the episode, but let's start off, Andrew, with some affirmations and denials. You want to kick us off with affirming something? All right. Um, So my affirmation is going to be a little bit deeper than my usual affirmations. I feel like most of the things that I that I talk about in this segment that are deep are things that I deny. (laughs) um, I I'm going to affirm the way that the Lord is working through our church right now. Um, I think, so me being the the minister of music at our church, one of the things that was asked of me whenever I first got hired in the interview process was, okay, we've got um, a lot of demographics in the church as far as uh, age goes. You've got older folks who typically like, you know, traditional worship style, and you've got younger folks who typically like contemporary worship style. You know, how are you going to bridge the gap between the older folks and the younger folks? And, you know, what I said was, well, really, it's through the gospel, because ultimately, 
Um, we are called to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth as he desires to be worshiped and to allow the words of Christ to dwell within us richly. Yeah. Um, and so really it's not about the style, it's about the words in the songs being the words of Christ that dwell richly within us, uniting us around them, around God's word, instead of uniting ourselves around whatever our worship preference is and creating essentially two different churches within the same church. Right. You know, so that has been really the big push ever since I've been here. And the cool thing, and at first it was like, I don't know how this is ever going to, <laughs> I don't know how this is ever actually going to, people are ever going to take, uh, get a grip out. of this. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's really cool because lately I'd say within the past two or three months, it's it, I've gotten comments after worship services from people of all ages. And they, they've been talking not so much about the way that it sounded anymore, but about how the words of the song really drew them to the Lord. Um, yeah. And really, they they were true about God, and that's what, that is what they loved about the songs. And so that was, I was just like, man, that is awesome, because it, it's, it's cool to see two things. One, how the Lord just works and moves in people's lives. Yeah. But two, from just a ministerial standpoint, how... There's a sometimes situations where you think, man, this is just, I don't know how, <laughs> where we're at right now, I don't know how we're going to get to where I feel like the Lord is leading us. But he works through, <laughs> works through people. Yeah. You know, he, cha- he molds hearts, he changes hearts, move hearts of stone to hearts of flesh. And uh, it's been really cool to see. So that's my affirmation. Awesome. Well, uh, Jason, you want to affirm something for us, man? Man, First of all, you you explained this to me before we came on the show, and I'm yeah. kind of mad, man. I, I like this. I'm, I, I, I might actually have to. <laughs> this might get added to my show. There you go, man. So, yeah, you might you might get Ed Litton. No worry, worry. no worries. <laughs> so I I deny the way my kids load my dishwasher. Good gracious, there man! There we go. Like, <laughs> I'm like, what the world is wrong with you people, man? Who's, who's raising you? That's it. Yeah, um, I I deny the way they're they're loading the dishwasher. But um, I do affirm that they do a great job of emptying it once it's actually reloaded properly and washed. There you they go. Do a great job at that. So I want to want to deny their their loading, but affirm their unloading of the dishwasher. Awesome, I like it. Yeah, when when I load the dishes, um, my wife always gets mad at me. She's like, I could fit probably fifteen other things in there. I'm like, no way, this pot's huge. No, no. But she, yeah, yeah she she works it work, works her her magic and. It all gets in there, man. So I, I, I guarantee you, your wife plays Tetris on her phone. Yeah, there you go. Like, there you go. Because dishwashing, Tetris is like, you know, uh, pre-planning for yeah. loading the dishwasher. So my kids need to start playing Tetris. That's, That's what fun. It is. When I was in the That's military, fun. we'd had to load and unload connexes, like the big trailers, and get everything oh, yeah. in there. And so as privates, the privates are the ones doing all the loading. And and yeah, you're basically doing Tetris. Like, all right, you got all, you got thirty minutes. Get all this stuff in there. You're like, man, this is never going to fit. And then you'd be surprised what all you can get in there when you have to. So awesome. Yeah, Yeah, man, I like it. We put you on the spot. I told you right before we recorded. Oh, by the way, we do affirmations and denials. He was like, all right. So let's make it happen. I like it, man. All right. So I am going to affirm something I've affirmed. Um, We got something that we've been pushing here. Uncle Tom 2 has been released. And um, so I'm going to affirm that, that I, I think everybody needs to see it. I <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, but I have seen Uncle Tom 1. I watched that this week, and I really enjoyed it. Being part of the Bar Network, we have a discount code if anybody wants to get the DVD, uh, if you still do that, or if you want to download it, uh, you just go to UncleTom.com, and you put in our code of Bar Network, B-A-R-N-E-T-W-O-R-K, and you get a 30% discount on that. So I would recommend everybody check it out. Some of the guys from our network, Just Thinking, are, are on there. And okay. then I know Vody Bauckham's on there as well. And so uh, I think everybody should check that out and uh, let us know what you think. We'd love to hear your thoughts on that as well. And so my denial. <laughs> so, Jason, you don't know this, but uh, we have just started lightly engaging people with the gospel on TikTok. And oh my- that is a dark <laughs> hole of garbage. There's so much stuff on there where I'm just like, man, that is that is rough. Um, but we were looking at 
the the demographics it's 16 to like 34 year olds make up 80 percent of tiktok and i was like all right so we're not going to let this consume what we do but we're going to start putting out videos and we don't really engage as much over there as we do with people that take the time to listen to our podcast and things like that but it's more of just an evangelism thing uh but i am denying christian witchcraft which is it has its own like stream on tiktok there's all of these things and they're like yes i'm a christian yes i'm a witch blah 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 blah. so uh today i'm doing a short little video on christian witchcraft and how what the bible actually says about that uh for tiktok so we'll see how that goes <laughs> i'm sure we'll get some hate mail on that but uh so yeah the the idea that i can be a christian witch i completely deny and uh if you want to hear why maybe one day we can do an episode on that andrew i don't know yeah but um we'll see how much there is i was just i was surprised with how much there is on that platform about that though so uh scrolling christian tiktok in and of itself is uh, man there's there's so much misinformation and false information and what we're trying to do here is speak the truth of the gospel to the heart of the culture. And so kind of like what you were talking about, Jason, with why you started Dear Woke Christian, um, that's kind of our passion as well is is just bringing the truth of the gospel to the culture, to all these different conversations that are being had. Um, there's The culture is preaching. It's teaching. There's a worldview. There's a, a way to see everything, and, and we want to make sure that the truth of the gospel is is being presented in the darkness as well. So that is my denial. Um, Andrew, did you deny anything? I haven't yet, but I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'll deny it, and I'll, I'll tell you what it's gonna do. It's gonna completely throw off whatever segue you had. No way, man. Into- my segue game is is on point today. I can All feel right. it. Well, then here we go. Here's the test. Okay. Um, I'm gonna deny the frog that jumped over my shoulder and into my house this morning as I was letting my dog in. Okay. And then it hopped around and it threw my whole morning off because it took me like 30 minutes to capture this frog because it was it would jump somewhere and I'd want I'd get it off of whatever it was on because I couldn't trap it. It would be like on the leg of a of a chair. Yeah. And I couldn't trap it on that because it'd just jump out. And so then. I got it off of the leg, and it would hop, and I'd see it hop a couple of times, and it just disappear. Man, and it, it'd be gone, and I'd be like, "Where did it go? What in the world?" And it'd be like on some little crevice in the on the bottom of another chair. So I had to like take all the chairs away from the table. It was around our kitchen, our dinner table. Man, it took forever. Finally, it was on the floor, and I grabbed a cup and I just pinned it, and just yeah, yeah. But anyway, that's my denial. I don't deny all frogs, but I deny. That, that frog in that particular okay. moment, and I spared its life and should be thankful. So that's awesome. So, as I'm hearing that story, um, what that reminds me of <laughs> is how I'm teaching my uh. boys to become biblical men. Mm. And biblical men are tough, right? Mm-hmm. They are protectors and providers of their home. And so, one thing that I'm trying to teach my men to do is to become that protector and be able to crush that spider or grab that frog and just get it out right and so when i think of like awesome biblical men booker t washington comes to mind (laughs) and so i was thinking today we could have a conversation about booker t washington i there's not a whole lot of really good information out there on booker t and and so i just wanted to kind of talk about him If, if we've got listeners of our show that they know the name. Most people know the name, but they don't know the man. And that's what I want to look at is I, w- I want to look at him and see um, what he taught, what he thought, how he lived life, and uh, how he was a biblical man that would have grabbed that frog and he would have thrown it out, Andrew. Man, you, you should get the the round of applause sound effect <laughs> after that one. That was great. Did you like that segue? Good. That was I, don't good. Know if my, I don't know if my sound effects work. I, but uh, oh, there yeah, you go. there it is. Okay. There. I got an audience. I got an audience one too. I'm gonna think. Yeah, because I I have to admit that was a uh, that was some strong segue game right there. Hey, let's, thanks, man. Let's take a moment to I affirm your segue game. <laughs> there it is. Because that thing right there was uh, <laughs> that was impressive. There we go. I, 
Yeah, I was. I I don't know what I would have done with the whole uh, frog because I do have some questions about this frog thing. We're gonna have to talk about that, but yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was a that was great. You you pulled that off very well. I I don't know how the frog jumped over your shoulder. I don't either. It was insane. That's what I was wondering. <laughs> yes. I, I, I'm I'm like I'm. Was six it like foot. a tree frog or like a toad? No, it was a tree frog. Oh, and so it was, was on the door. It, yeah, it probably was on the door, oh, but it was just crazy because it just like. I just saw it flying over my shoulder and land right in front of me. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> oh. So. All right. So, tree frog on the door, not yeah. like super frog. Not like go. toad hopping from the Yeah, now, if I see a nuts. toad jump over me, I'm probably not touching it either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Don't make me transition again, man. That was, that was mm-hmm. tough. So, uh, let's kind of just break down, look at Booker T. Washington's life. I'm going to just kind of do a, a rough timeline of his life. And... um Everybody feel free to jump in as you guys see fit or as you have any input that you want to give. Uh, We're going to look at his life, but then at the end, I want to kind of look at um, where are we today and and what could Booker T. Washington add to the cultural conversation, uh, the conversation in our churches, all of that. Starting off, there's a, there's a, he's got a statue at Tuskegee and it's got Booker T. Washington, 1856 to 1915. And then under it, uh, it says that he lifted the veil of ignorance from his people and pointed the way to progress through education and industry. And um, it's been said that that's a, a good summary of who he was and what he did. But he was born into slavery in 1856 in Virginia, and he was in slavery until he was eight years old. After the Emancipation, Emancipation Proclamation, I think it was another two years until he was actually given his freedom. But then they moved to West Virginia because they didn't have any education. They didn't have any income. They didn't have anything. And so they moved to West Virginia and he lived there for several years. General Ruffner and his wife Viola ended up offering Booker T uh, a spot in their house, cleaning their house, working for them. And it's it said that he hated that he hated the that she was uh, a stickler for cleanliness. She would make him scrub everything with a toothbrush, and um, and and he hated that. And he would run away and then come back. But he he continued to stay there and continued to build a relationship with them. Viola introduced him to the library, and he started reading a lot of the Puritans, and he started to grow this desire for the doctrines of grace um uh and and really had this this heart and passion for the lord i'm just going to do like a 30,000 mile overview real quick and then we can kind of delve into different parts but um after that he went to the hampson institute and we'll look at that how he ended up getting there and all uh went to the hampson institute then filled a call into ministry and he went to wayland seminary in washington dc after he got done at Wayland, he was asked to come back to the Hampson Institute as a professor, and he was there. He was kind of under the president of, of that institute as, as grooming him to, to kind of take over. But then uh, a position opened up with the formation of Tuskegee, and they reached out to the president of Hampton and said, hey, would you like to come down here? Do you know somebody that could? He said uh, Booker T. Washington is the perfect man for that job. So Booker T. then moved down to Tuskegee. There was no college. There was nothing there. There was no school. It was just an idea and a a grant from the state to allow it to happen. And so he completely built Tuskegee, and and then the students that were there helped with that. Uh, And then he worked at Tuskegee, pouring into all of the students that came through until he died in 1915. Uh, so that's kind of the 30,000-mile view, and we can kind of jump into different parts of this, uh, but does somebody want to, something that they want to jump into or talk about? I like, I'll jump in. Yeah, man. I, I really enjoyed reading more because I was somebody else that, you know, didn't know a whole lot about Booker T. Washington. Yeah. Reading more about where he was as it relates to his faith. And there was a lecture that we listened to to kind of get us primed for this discussion. Right. And it, it was it was 
wonderful to hear that all throughout these, um, his, his story. And again, it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows. It wasn't a, um, a cakewalk, but all throughout this, you don't hear anything about him uh, resenting anybody, angry at people, even after the war, even um, with dealing with Viola and, and her husband. It just sounds like they were really austere people, but it, it, you never hear him lamenting and speaking negatively about it. He mentions quite often how God was providentially moving in this situation. And he was later on even able to embrace Viola and her her stickler for her her being a stickler for cleaning up and being clean and being orderly yeah. as God's training him. And later on, he he points back to that as he um, got into Hampton Institute and later on at Tuskegee. He, it was because of what she had taught him that actually helped him to be successful in those areas of um, moving into further education and such. So I just thought it was interesting one how he looked and saw the providence of God, even though sometimes you have to look for it hard after the fact. Right. But then even then he was able to build off of something that would have been perceived as negative and found the good in it that actually helped him move forward. So Yeah. And and I've got several quotes just to kind of let him speak on things. But I know after his family, I I, I think he had several brothers and sisters and then him and his mom once once they got their freedom and they were in Virginia, West Virginia, uh, there was one quote that he said. He said, we exchanged the poverty of one kind of slavery for a worse poverty of another. If true liberty is to come to us as a people, we must know what the true root of liberty is. And the root is not merely political. It cannot be signed into incitement by law and legislators. It must spring from the human heart. It must grow out of and assent to the gospel that truly sets men free. And, and so what he was yearning for is is yet a greater freedom. And mm-hmm. and he was pointing to that greater freedom truly does and can only come from the gospel because me, we can be... Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, let me give a little context to that. Yeah. So after they were free to move to West Virginia, they, um, his family was living on in a shanty town outside of a salt mine right. or a coal mine. It, I wasn't clear whether or not he was working in the salt mine or the coal mine, either either one of those. I think so he was working in the coal mine, and then uh, General Ruffner kind of ran was, the salt mine. Got it. So he would work in a coal mine in the morning and then work for the Ruffners in the evening. And uh, apparently, like, these people were now free, but because they had freedom, it didn't actually turn into, like, it, it turned into licentiousness. I mean, there was right. all kinds of wicked and debauchery going on. Yeah. So in the midst of that, he's like, man, we were we were slaves, but we were actually better off. He was actually alluding. Yeah. Like we were we were though we were in bondage physically, we were better off then than we now when we've been freed physically, but we have no moral compass. Right. So I, I think that was something that really stood out to me. Like, man, being free has some layers to it. You can't right. just say levels to it and being free in Christ ultimately is the best because we see it now where we have freedom in here in the United States that other countries could only dream of. Right. But the problem is we, we are in more bondage yeah. than many countries are. And, but that was my point. Yeah. Well, and that's what I was going to talk about too, is what, when Paul talks about our freedom in Christ, it's, it's not a freedom to do whatever we want, but it's a freedom to be able to to follow Christ. We're free from our slavery and bondage to sin. We've been set free. That that price has been paid by the blood of Christ, and we're now free to follow after him and and to um, to be able to be the body of Christ to those around us. To So we, it's not a freedom just, well, hey, I can do whatever I want, which a lot of people mm-hmm. take that, and they're like, hey, I can live life however I want because I know Jesus— shed his blood for me. So I'm going to heaven. Um, no, that freedom that we have is a freedom to actually follow Christ. And, and that's why, you know, when you get in first John, how do we know that we're in Christ? Because we love him and we follow him. We're keeping his word. Um, the fruit of the spirit is a byproduct of a, a changed and transformed heart that Christ has freed us to. So, yeah. Um, Andrew, what you think about this, man? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I uh, that was very well said. I don't even know what to 
add to that. I think one of the things that you see in today's culture, though, just regarding the distortion of what true freedom is, is what we see in Romans 1, where it says, um, claiming to be wise, they became fools and their hearts were darkened. So we have this um, yearning for the things that are that the Lord gives, things like freedom, but the problem is that we're not submitting to his lordship, and so we strive for those blessings, and we strive for the things that only come from the Lord, but because we're not submitting to the lordship of Christ, we are trying to figure it out on our own, and that leads to the distortion not only of freedom, but of, you know, all things, really. Um, and so <clears throat> I was looking at, um, I, I'll go and I'll look at, um, like evangelistic videos, like Apologia, you know, they'll post a bunch of like stuff where they'll go and they'll talk about to people about abortion. Mm-hmm. They'll talk to people about, um, you know, and, and like the cry of abortion, right. Is, you know, a woman's right to be free to choose, right. you know? Um, but ultimately they're being, they're becoming a slave to themselves. They're becoming a slave to their desires. They're becoming a slave to these things. And ultimately their freedom to choose quote unquote is actually bondage because they are um, they're a slave to their sin, you know. Right. Um, so it's it's an interesting it's it's interesting to see how scripture plays itself out in particularly today's world and how clearly how clear it is to look at the culture today and, and see see that. So yeah. So kind of jumping back into Booker T. Washington. Um, so he's he's in West Virginia. And like we pointed out, he's he's working hard in the coal mines. He's working at the the Ruffner House, and um, he was he was given the opportunity to go to a tiny little school. Um, there was somebody that had a, a school kind of in the back of well, I don't know if it was pa- the Ruffner's house. Yeah, a pastor. Oh, a pastor. A local pastor had someone come and be a schoolmaster for the people in the shanty town. Okay. And there was in the back room or in a room in the pastor's house. Yeah. And so he starts attending that school and excels to the point that he can now, um, read better and understand, comprehend better, um, than the, the, the guy that was teaching that little school. And he decided that he wanted to go to the Hampson Institute, which was back in Virginia. And can I interrupt you? Yeah, man, go ahead. It's Hampton. Hampton. What is, is you're saying? Hampton. You're, you're saying I'm saying you're Hampton? Hampton. Yeah, you're saying Hampton. Oh. it's Hampton. Hampton, because it later on becomes Hampton University. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, man, it's okay. Hampton. I'm here Institute. for you, brother. I appreciate it, man. But so yeah, he he decides he's going to go to Hampton Institute, and what he does is he just takes everything that he's got and and he heads out not knowing if he's going to be able to attend or not. And right. when he gets there, uh, sits down with, with the lady that's there and just says, hey, I want to go to school here. <laughs> it took me weeks to get here. Uh, he had to stop and do side jobs to, to afford to continue to get there. And once he gets there, the, the lady sees his dedication and de- determination and gives him a little test. She takes him into a room and says, hey, I want you to clean this room. And he had what he had brought with him. He brought a, a church shirt that his brother had given to him, mm-hmm. brand new shirt. And, and really that was it. That's all he had. And he uses that shirt to just clean that whole room up and down. And when she comes in an hour later, he's cleaning the window seals and, you know, he's just, he's giving it all that he's got. And she got him into the school and he really excelled at the Hampton Institute as well. Um, I, I really like hearing in, in his story, his time at the Hampton Institute. And as when he comes back, I, I, I really like hearing about that time in his life because he's, um, he's learning this, this hard work ethic. He's getting to learn a lot about scripture. He's learning a lot about all kinds of things and kind of tying that all together. And, and he's excelling even there where he's at. Uh, he came in with nothing. And then they said by his second year, he was far and above better than anybody else at the school. 
uh, excelling in, in his grades and in, in all aspects of, of being a student there. And that's when he goes to Whalen Seminary. And I enjoyed hearing that too, because when he was at Wayland, um, he, he did not enjoy that as much as he did his time at Hampton. But I, they were talking about one thing that he would do um, when, when he was in class, he would go out under the tree and he would talk about everything that they were teaching and, and, and he would show how he was refuting everything that the professors were teaching because a lot of what was being taught then was, um, it was more of a social gospel, social gospel, liberation theology. I think they called it the theology of revolt back then. Um, and, and so, so he would go and listen, take notes on everything that he was being taught. And then he would go out under the tree and, and, and he would refute it all and students started collecting and then professors would start collecting and professors were giving kids, you know, we'll say this and, and he's just, you know, refining his oratory skills in, in that, uh, I can relate to that because I, I went, when I went to school, um, there were things. So I, I did not fully understand the doctrines of grace when I was at school and my school was anti, <laughs> all things reformed. Um, they were very strictly, um, the Southern Baptists, more so, uh, Anabaptists as you know, they kind of claimed to come from Anabaptist roots. And so I spent a lot of time dealing with that as well. Um, and, and, and just having a bunch of discussions with people about the truth of the gospel, about just, going down all of the doctrines of grace and, um, and, and my time there really kind of helped shape my understanding because when you're having discussions with people, it really causes you to work through your whole thought process. So if I'm saying, I believe this, but then when I flesh that out to the end, well, that doesn't make sense. And and so just having those conversations with people, um, I, I think the Lord really used that time in my life to, to solidify, um, what I believe and why I believe it and founding it all in scripture and not just having what I believe come from what I was taught or what a a pastor says or what a parent says, but to say, I want to take everything that I believe about not only who God is and what's required of me, but the world around me, the, the, the desires that I have, the things that, that I see my whole worldview, I want it to be shaped by the gospel. And I want to know, in scripture, why I believe that. And, um, so I feel like this is in, in Booker T's life. This is a time of, of that sharpening of, of his, um, theological worldview and which fleshed out as well into just his practical worldview. And I think just to jump in, yeah, I think that his outlook as it relates to the, the doctrines of grace and the beauty of the gospel really needs to be looked at, really needs to, I think that's something we can really, we can, there's a lot of meat on that bone, so right. to speak. We can make a lot of hay out of that in the fact that we, we, we've been granted here in the, in the current parlance that we're in in the United States, we have so much more than even what he had then. Yeah. And we have far more knowledge, far more experience. Now, sadly, we're far more wicked and far more dark as well. Yeah. But the gospel still is the, is the good news. Like, is that is what is needed to for our brothers and sisters of people that we see who are free, but they are yet in bondage and slavery to sin yeah. more than if they were in a physical bondage in a in a in a, uh, in a physical sense like in slavery or, or or bound, but they're in far worse because they don't even realize that right. they're in bondage. So I think that's something that he he mentions in there. And I was like, wow, that that's a great takeaway for the for really this entire lecture is that yeah. the the gospel and understanding the gospel and how important the gospel is in literally every aspect of our lives was yeah. I, I really thought he did a great job on that. Yeah, and, and one thing that, that he said that kind of ties into that, one of his quotes from his journal, he said, Marvel upon marvels. The gospel brings reformation, not revolution. Yes. And and the truth of the gospel, it, it truly brings this reformation 
of our hearts. It's taking a heart of stone and it's reforming it into this heart of flesh. And um, that's why when we talk about the doctrines of grace, the fact that we're all born dead in our trespasses and sin, but in sin, God still sent Christ and he still called his to himself and he shed his blood and he gives us what we don't deserve. He gives us what we couldn't, couldn't earn. And, and, and that is what truly sets us free. But like, if you look at even just looking at the old Testament and, and the up down history of God's people in the old Testament, um, when they had everything is when they were the most spiritually bound and when they were in times of exile or times of slavery or times of judgment is when they really drew closer to the Lord and and they were relying on the Lord and seeking after the Lord. Uh, and then when when the milk and honey is flowing, then they start looking to the the cultures around them and saying, man, I, I want to do that. I want this. I want that. And, uh, and then they start creating or- idols. And worshiping those idols, and and I feel like that's where America is today. We, we we're under God's judgment. We've been, you know, there's we do have these blessings from the Lord, but we're squandering them. Just like when when Israel would, God would give them manna for the day, and if they heaped it up for themselves, it rotted and turned into worms. And I feel like a lot of us have really. You look at the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, 90s, there's been a, a lot of physical blessing. Um, there's been a lot of uh, opportunity for education. There's been a lot of opportunity for all kinds of things, and, and uh, we're squandering that because we're just looking internal. We're wanting to just continue to heap up and not trust the Lord to continue to bless and provide. And, uh, and, and so we're, we're seeing that rot as well. And there's a lot more spiritual bondage, um, that's readily available all over the place. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But, um, so he's, he's, he's at Wayland. Um, and I, I, I liked, I liked this part too, because while, while he's, he graduates Wayland and they asked him, back at Hampson Institute to give a commencement speech. And I was just going to kind of read uh, an excerpt from that speech. He said, um, so he's at Hampson Institute giving a commencement speech. He says, the great hope of our people is exactly the same as the great hope of all Americans. It is not to be found in political wrangling. Rather, it is to be found as we are liberated in our hearts. As we become free, our freedom will be made manifest, and no one will be able to hold us back, and our freedom will break the shackles of prejudices around us and set our white neighbors free as well. Let us therefore go into the world as a light, a beacon, not as a club or a bludgeon. And and that commencement speech is what ended up getting him offered the the position at the Hampson Institute. But I think there's a lot even in that speech um, of what he's talking about there as well, because he's talking about, you know, um, when he says, and and our freedom will break the shackles and the prejudices around us and set our white neighbors free as well. Um, We think about how during the Emancipation Proclamation, there was, there was freedom that, that was given by law, but if you look at the hearts of the people, those that were owning these slaves, their hearts were in bondage, and there was freedom that needed to be given to them that can only come through the gospel. And I like how Booker T. Washington's mindset, which Jason goes back to what you were talking about, his mindset was um, in us being free and embracing that and having a true biblical freedom, it not only breaks our shackles, but we can be a light to the white community and help break the shackles of sin that's lining their hearts as we Amen. display Christ. And, um, and so I just, I, you know, I, that really, I, I enjoyed that part as well. Um, thoughts on that, Andrew or Jason? No, that's 
That's a great point because I think we, we tend to miss and tend to forget that every one of us is a sinner. Right. And in some degree, shape, or form, we are outside of Christ. We are in bondage to sin. Yeah. We're, we're going to be bo- we are going to be bound to something. Yes. Period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's either we're bound to our, our sinful desires or we're bound to Christ. Yeah. There's, there's no other, there's not a neutrality, there's not a, a demilitarized zone. So, but recognizing like every last one of us are in bondage. So if it if it's a, a person who is in physical slavery, they are, yeah, they're physically slaved, but they are also slaves to their sin. Yeah. Or it could be a person, the slave owner who looks like they're free, right. but they are really in bondage to their sin. Yeah. So you're not, uh, you, you're, we were talking about our kids earlier. Our kids are in bondage to sin. Yeah. Our wives, every last one of us outside of Christ are in a level of bondage. So realizing like, in, I think Booker was doing a little bit of wordplay, even in saying that our, speaking to the highly melanated crowd, mm-hmm. our freedom will be a freedom for the people of the less melanated crowd who are quote unquote free, right? And and never have been, you know, kind of like the Israelites. We've never been in bondage, yeah. But they're they're they are in bondage and they don't know it exactly because we have to bring the gospel to them. Yeah. So I think bringing again, I think Booker T. Washington and this was a very good exercise in seeing like the importance of understanding this man's life. Booker T.'s um, embracing of the gospel, embracing of the doctrines of grace, embracing of that actually was very insightful for not only Tuskegee, not only for Hampton, but countless other people as well, even um, the people in that little shanty town. Right. So they, they sent him to school in the first place. Yeah. So I think that was a, that was a great point. So that was it. Yeah. Yeah. And and so then he's at Hampton, Hampton Institute uh, as a, a professor there, and then he gets the um, – ends up going to Tuskegee. And he completely builds that from the ground up. When he got there, there's nothing like we talked about. But um, that was probably the most impressive is is just w- what he did there at Tuskegee. Because um, the students that would come, he would not only teach them Latin and teach them mathematics, teach them all these courses and give them this education. Uh, he also was pouring into them uh, spiritually and he's given them this this deep spiritual well not spiritual he's given them this biblical education uh, yes. and then he's also teaching them trades so each person when they would graduate they they knew two to three trades whether that was brick making or that talked about how the women would sew the pillows and put the feathers in the pillows and sew the the mattresses together and they had the guys making the bricks and building the buildings and um the the students were the ones that were planting the food and raising the crops and feeding each other and all aspects of the school they were learning how to do all of that so when they graduated they had this full orbed um education Mm -hmm. and one thing that they said that Uh, I thought was pretty remarkable was uh, I think it was like five or 10 years into Tuskegee being an institution. There were more millionaires that came out of Tuskegee than Princeton, Harvard and Yale combined. And that's because of the work ethic that the students learned while there and having the, the knowledge to, to go about doing that. And so they talked about different, students that graduated but the first one when he graduated tuskegee he went back to mobile i think alabama and there was a a new iron working facility that was there and as the iron would come in on crates he took the wood and set up a a shoe shine stand and he built five of those shoe shine stands and then he would find kids in the streets and he would train them for a week on how to shine shoes. And then he would send them out to different parts of the town and, and they would shine shoes and he would let them keep 80% of what they made. And then they would give him 20% for him providing the, the shoe shine and the stand. And then he would build more and more and send them out. And they said, after, I think it was like three years, uh, he had already become a millionaire. And then he started buying land and, and, giving back to the community and, and helping develop the community that way. And, um, 
They were talking about how that's, those were the kinds of stories that, that Booker T. Washington liked to hear was how these students were taking these ideas and, and using it uh, in the communities that they were going back to. But, um, Andrew, what you think, man? Yeah, it's, uh, honestly, I'm just kind of enjoying sitting back and listening to this one a little bit. It's, yeah. uh, it's a lot to take in. Um, I think the most impressive part so far of what I've heard from Booker T's life, both from the lecture and from what we've been talking about today, is how he always maintained kind of, and, and we've, we've been talking about it, but he always maintained that perspective of the gospel is what sets you free, yeah. you know? Um, and like, like we were saying earlier, I mean, um, there are people who, and, and even, even in today's world, there are people who look to be free, you know? Um, right. It seems that they are just as free as can be, but in reality, they're slaves to sin, and that is ultimately the most, um, the, 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 the worst type of bondage you can be in, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so uh, I, I think it's just so impressive to me how he was always able, even through his um, trials in his life, you know, going from going all the way out to on his journey out to the university and, and, and working along his way, you know, to get there, just the determination he had. He did not live a life of, you know, just roses. and But he maintained that perspective of, the gospel is the power of God into salvation, you know? Right. And that is, that was central to everything he did. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts right now. I'm, I'm kind of sitting back and I'm <laughs> yeah, taking it no. in, but yeah. Well, and I think too, because of like the way that he saw things and, and because of his, his, as he would give these different speeches, um, there are a lot of people though, that, that, that weren't happy with him and, and with his ideas and how he didn't harbor resentment and things like that as well. But I just kind of to, to, to kind of bring all this into practical application for us today and what can we learn from Booker T. Washington, um, just kind of going into that, that question of um, what can Booker T. Washington add to our culture and our cultural conversations today? And and so, what do you guys think? I've kind of got a, an idea, but I don't want to just. Hear Booker T. Was Booker T. Washington was an American slave. Let that sink in for a second. Right. He was an American slave, so he harbored no resentment. He brought no animus to the equation. He was able, by God's grace, to see, even in the midst of, you know, he again, as as Andrew said, he didn't have. Uh, a rainbow, sunshiny existence. However, he was in the midst. In the midst of that, he was still able to overlook those things, to see the goodness of God, and to excel. Right. And I think in our in our discord and our conversations, I think it would behoove us to just make that our practice as well. To say, hey, you know what? There's a lot of things that we could harp on, and sadly, I think some things are. There are real things that we can harp on, but right. there's a lot of things that people just kind of make up. They just they they LARP on things, they live right. action role play something yeah. rather than it's a real issue. They're just kind of like imposing something from the past or a make believe. But mm -hmm. even in the midst of that, like there's so much good that, and it seems like I, I think even somebody who wasn't even a, even a believer could see like Booker T. Washington found the good in situations and was able to thrive in that. Now. I don't think we should end there. We, of course, want to bring right. it to the beauty of the gospel. But I think we could all see like, wow, he was able, he was a slave, a former slave, and he was able to excel. Why? Because of the beauty of the gospel. Right. And I think that's something we should recognize that, man, if I give people the gospel, they can excel and, and, and find the beauty of Christ in anything that they're working at. Not me re- hashing a, a movie story or, or a sermon around a, a popular movie, but by me giving them the gospel right, and then being able to see it. I think that's something that people should, I think that would, that's a great takeaway from this Booker T. Washington 
discussion. Yeah. Yeah, and so kind of what what that's similar to to the conclusion that I came mm-hmm. to and if you look at what he's teaching, he's teaching the doctrines of grace and mm-hmm. and that grace is for people who are in bondage to sin. That's all people, you know. We're all born dead in our trespasses and sin. And 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 what he's what he's teaching, what he's preaching, what he's believing because of God's word he's he it, it's leading to unity for believers under Christ and kind of like Andrew when I when your affirmation when you were talking about um people being unified under the gospel there there's so many people that whether it's in, you know they're they're wanting to divide over a, a musical style or preference or there's so many things that we can divide over in our society today um i mean like when you look at CRT and, and, you know, there's a lot of areas that we can divide, but the gospel unites all of us because we're all made in his image. We all have inherent worth and dignity and value because we were created by God to glorify him. And that should unite all of us. Um, and, and so it leads to unity. It leads to, um, biblical justice it leads to equality because god created us all for a purpose and now there is sin that gets in there because we are fallen creatures but if we're unifying under the gospel there is more hope for for unity um whether it's in the church whether it's in the culture whether wherever it is if we're unifying under the truth of the gospel which is what booker t saw um then that is our hope, our hope is only in Christ. Apart from Christ, there's complete division. There's hatred. There's wars. There's, you know, all kinds of sin. Um, but in Christ, we have freedom, and and that freedom is to be the body of Christ to those around us, to love others more than we love ourselves, to put others' needs before ours, um, and and to be able to speak the truth of the gospel to the heart of the culture, even when the culture does not look like Christ. It looks like the world. Um, the gospel is countercultural. The gospel penetrates all of that. And so <clears throat> that was kind of my take takeaway on that. Um, and, um, you know, one of the last quotes that he said, he said, if the gospel would get a hold of men's hearts, they would be set free in such a way that they would become indispensable. And and that indispensability would lead to respect for all. And, um, you know, I, I think that's, that, that's kind of the heart of this. Um, marvel upon marvel, the gospel brings reformation, not revolution. And, and that's what we need. We need a reformation in the American church. We need the church to be reformed, not by um, pragmatism, not by being woke, not by all of these different things. We need to be reformed under the truth of the gospel, under Christ, under his word. And we need to be looking like him. We need to be loving like him. We need to be speaking the truth of the gospel to those around us. And allowing him to to reshape and remold the church into his bride, you know, does yeah. that make sense to you guys? No, it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. So, well, those are my final thoughts on it. Does anybody else have anything they want to add? Yeah, I mean, one. Uh, this is my kind of last thought that kind of came to my brain. Yeah, I mean, um, one of the I, I was I was um, talking to someone in our college and career class yesterday. Um, he's actually an avid podcast listener, um, but anyway, um, yeah, but he, uh, he was talking about different religions and things like that. And one of the things that I told him and it reminded me of this reminds me of that is, you know, when, unless we are submitting under the true authority of Christ, then we are submitting under the authority of ourselves, which means that we get to define who we are and what we are. And we were talking about woke. We were talking about like transgenderism. We were talking about LGBTQ stuff and things like that. But ultimately, when unless we're submitted under the lordship of Christ, then we are the authority. You know, which means that I might have a different. You know, 
I might define myself as some way different than another person and might, you know what I mean? So it causes all that different division um, because we're trying to be our own gods, which we know that we can't be because we're all made in the image of God. You know what I mean? Um, And so it just kind of reminded me of that for whatever reason. I was just kind of thinking about it and it's like, unless we're all submitted under the true authority, which is the Lordship of Christ, Mm -hmm. there's no hope for unity, you know, because if everyone is their own God, then everyone has a different definition of what is best for them and what defines them. You know what I mean? Right. Um, We have to be submitted under the truth of what defines us all, Mm -hmm. whether or not we're in Christ or out of Christ, we're still all (laughs) submitted under the Lordship of Christ in one way or another. We're either suppressing an unrighteousness or, you know, we're submitting to it and, and, um, and yeah. following Christ. So, um, I don't know. That's my final thought. It kind of reminded me of that. Yeah. But. Well, and I think that kind of ties into what Jason was saying, where we are all under authority of something, mm-hmm. you know? So, uh, just like Paul said, he said, I am, I'm a slave of Christ. You know, we're either submitting to his authority or we're allowing sin to be our master and we are under the authority and, and bondage of sin. Um, but when we submit to the authority of Christ, that sets us free to be what he's called us to be to the culture around us. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the culture desperately needs to hear the truth of the gospel. The The power of the gospel is the power of salvation. You know, um, there, there's no salvation apart from the gospel. And so there's a lot of people that want the good things that the gospel has to offer without repentance and without right. that authority. And so, you know, I, I, I want world peace and I want this and that and I want, you know, my best life now and I want to live forever. You know, whatever <laughs> yeah, it right. is, there's people want what the Bible has to offer, they just want it apart from Christ. I want to get there by worshiping myself. I want to get there by doing this and doing that. Um, I want to get there by sub- subverting my my power over this other person. What, whatever way it is that our hearts twist and mangle the goodness of the gospel, we always get there because we don't want to <coughs> submit to Christ. And, and we don't want to come um, to the Father through the blood of Christ. Uh, we, we want to do what we want to do, and we don't want to be told that what we're doing is wrong and we need to repent. That's why telling somebody to repent of something is hate speech, because you're saying that you aren't good enough. You know, mm-hmm. but that mm-hmm. is the gospel. The gospel is that none of us are good enough. We've all been cursed with this fatal disease that is sin, and apart from I don't know, the vaccination of Christ, <laughs> oh, yeah. which saves all people that mm-hmm. are vaccinated. You know, um, Christ, Christ is the, he's the only thing that, that cures us of, of that sin. Um, but, you know, so, so that's kind of the understanding is we're, we're, we're wanting to, to have heaven on earth without having Christ. And you can't, you can't have that. We're, we're, Apart from Christ is eternal separation from the Father. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so yeah, uh, but in Christ, you have, you have unity and love and justice and equality and all of that uh, because it comes from him, and, and he's the only one that can perfectly do that. Now, that's a process, and that's not all immediate, but if we're united under Christ, um, it, it gives us something to, to unify under instead of that self-worship and putting mm. myself first. I mean, you see that in a marriage, right. <laughs> you know, me with my wife, my fleshly desire is to put myself first or with my kids. But the biblical call is to, to surrender to myself and, and to understand that we are now one flesh. And I, I put her needs above my own needs because I'm her protector, you know? So, but it's stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, um, Jason, man, we appreciate you being on here. Man, thank you for having me. This yeah. was a lot of fun. I'm looking forward maybe to another opportunity to stop by and yeah, that'd be great. or maybe or maybe have you come on so we can uh, actually see what you look like. Yeah, there, there you, you go. go. We can do that. <laughs> there you go. You guys can come over here and we can talk about various we, and sundry. We we don't just have uh, faces for radio. 
we've got faces for television as well. <laughs> there you go. Again, I, I like but, it. I uh, like it. Yeah, man. But yeah, seriously though, we appreciate you taking the time, uh, being on My here. My pleasure. And um, Andrew, appreciate you. Uh, for everybody that's still here, we love you guys, and uh, I hope that you have a good Lord's Day. And we will see you next Sunday with another episode of the Locust Honey Podcast. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take care.